Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 5, and I want to continue on with the teaching that we've been doing, combining uh, the teaching of the 50 days from Passover to Pentecost, the 50 days of preparation for the anointing and the financial blessing. As we bring our offerings, we're going to put up a big hoopah. A chuppah is what you're, uh, a Jewish person would get married under. Now, why are we going to bring up a big chuppah? Because on the day of Pentecost, or in Hebrew, on the day of Shavuot, this is when God's people renew their vows with the Lord. This is the time in which we remember that we have a contract. On our 25th anniversary, Tiz and I, under a chuppah, renewed our wedding vows. Actually, it's encouraged by rabbinical teachers to renew your vows every year. Why renew our vows? Well, let me give you, everything God does has two sides. Tell me what they are. Spiritual and physical, all right? On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Israel was delivered from bondage, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, 50 days later, God married himself to Israel and, according to rabbinical teaching, Gentiles who were chosen by God to usher in the coming of the Messiah. That's you. Now, without getting in too much detail, when God married himself to, when a man and a woman get married, they make vows to honor each other and keep ourselves only unto them and to cherish. And you know, how many have ever seen people when they first get married? You know, I've done, I don't know, hundreds of weddings and you know, they're... You know, she's staring at him, and she's going, he's drooling. And you know, but you know, something happens over the years where you forget you made vows to each other unto God. Say amen. And so it's encouraged by ancient Jewish wisdom to once a year renew your vows. Remember that you made a contract. That's what a ketubah is. It's a contract. And I'll just tell you this without, without uh, reading to you what it says. It leans heavily in favor of the woman. It, it does. If the man messes up, I mean, in Israel, in, in Israel, this is a legal contract. That if a man messes up, the government and the police get involved and make him pay up. And he's not working a job and he's being a bum and he's messing around. The law gets involved. Look, look at I got men going. And so it's a good thing to renew the contract. It's a good thing to remember See, my contract that is, which is 34 years young, is stronger today than it was when we signed it. Well, the same thing with God and us. 
on Mount Sinai, God gave us a contract called the Bible. As I have my part of the contract with Tiz, Tiz has her part of the contract with me. And in order for the thing to work, we got to both do our part. And so what is Pentecost or what is Shavuot? That's a time in which we renew our ketubah, our marriage contract with God. When God came to Israel, they were not the first nation that God came to. Ancient Jewish wisdom said God went to other nations without getting into all the detail of it. He went to this nation and and they said, what do you want us to do? And God said this and they said, that's too hard. And so he went to another nation and said, what do you want us to do? God said, I want you to do this. And they said, that's too hard. He came to Israel and he said, will you be my people? And Israel didn't say, what do you want me to do? Israel said, you tell us what to do. We'll do it, then we'll understand. And so once a year, do you remember when, remember when you, you first got married? Oh, I will. I do. Remember when you first got saved? I'll serve you. And somewhere along the line, sometimes the marriage between man and God gets a little hazy. This is the time that we renew on next Sunday morning... We renew our marriage vows with God. Why is that so important? Because even though God wants us to come to church and, and, and not fornicate and pay our tithes and not lie and be kind to each other and love one another, the contract leans real heavy on the side of the bride. If you'll do these things, I will open up over you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing you don't have room enough to receive it. From Passover, from Resurrection Sunday, to Pentecost or Shavuot is 50 days. The reason, once again, and I know most of you know this, but those that are new or those that are watching new, Why 50 days? Why didn't God just save us and fill us with the Holy Spirit? Why didn't God just deliver Israel from Egypt and and give them the Bible? Why are these things? And by the way, Shavuot, 50 days out of Egypt, is the beginning of Judaism. Pentecost, 50 days out of the resurrection, is the beginning of the church. And these two, once we learn how to graft these two together, there's nothing that can stop the outpouring of God's Spirit. Okay, but why was it that God waited 50 days to give the Bible, to meet on Mount Sinai, 50 days after the resurrection, to give us the Holy Spirit? The reason is when Israel came out of Egypt, they had been for over 200 years slaves with a slave mentality, not a child of God mentality, not a joint heir with Christ mentality. You know, when I, got first, when I first got saved, I had a different way of thinking and living than I do now. And so the ancient Jewish wisdom says it took 50 days to get them from a slave mentality into a child of God mentality. Well, what does that mean? Well, the, being afraid, being mean, being stingy, being covetousness, being uh, just me and self-survival. They had to go 
through 49 steps to quit acting like the Egyptians or to quit acting like the world and start acting like a child of God so God could open up over us a window of heaven and pour us out an anointing a wisdom and finances. Now listen to me. Here's what the rabbis are saying. And if you want to be a part of this, you can be. Here's what the rabbis are saying. That this year, the year of 2011, 11 meaning either judgment or abundance. How many vote abundance? See, that's what's going to happen. That there's either going to be, not that God's going to come and, and, you know, when, when Malachi 3 says you're cursed with a curse, it doesn't mean, well, you didn't pay your tithes, you didn't know about this, you're cursed. It just means that you're limited just like the world is limited. That when the world goes through an economic downturn, you'll go through an economic downturn. But for those of us whose eyes are open and we get the window of heaven open, we may be in this world, but we're not of this world. This begins the abundance and the overflow. I I know this. I feel such a, you know, I'm always the glass is half full. But I'm telling you, it's not half full. It's, it's, it's starting to run over the edge. I can feel it. And we're never, you are never going through a drought again if you pay attention. Okay, now let me throw this in. Jesus talked about 30, 60, 100 full. And he said, I'll show you a mystery. A mystery. A mystery is only a mystery until it's figured out. A mystery is only a mystery until you know who done it. And you know, when you're, if it's a good mystery, you're kind of guessing that the butler did it, the maid did it, the chauffeur did it. You know, for 2,000 years, we've been kind of guessing at who done it. But now he's revealing the mystery. Returning to me and I'll return to you. How? Passover, three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles. But this 50 days, next week determines, next week determines the the abundance of wisdom anointing and finances next week that's why you don't just we don't just come in and tip god we're thinking we're praying about our offering god what do you want me to do what do you want me to sow because every seed produces after its own kind but as i said last week and listen to me carefully here it's not just about the seed it's about you taking you and i taking these 50 days and determining what kind of soil we are. Do you understand? So he gives us, God gives us through ancient Jewish wisdom, how to change the soil that we are so that even though we plant the seed that God tells us, we don't get a 30-fold harvest. We don't get a 60-fold harvest. We get a 100-fold harvest. Now, why is that important? Look at me. If this next Sunday determines the, let's say, the prosperity, the end, begins the end time transfer of wealth. God, look at me, God will not give a lot of money to a mean person. Did you hear what I said? He won't. Because a mean person, uh, and I'm talking about a mean person who goes to church. And everybody at work knows you're mean. And everybody in the neighborhood knows you're mean. And everybody uh, in the family knows you're mean. Money is an amplifier. Money is an honoring. 
And in these last days, he, God, doesn't have an, uh, God doesn't have time to bless somebody and they become an embarrassment to the Prince of Peace and he has to remove that money and give it to somebody else. If you're a mean person, you're not going to get blessed. So stop it. Amen. Okay, real quick, because I got to get to what I didn't finish last week. The 50 days, let's see how good of a teacher I am. Before you even begin the journey of changing what kind of soul you are, the first thing you have to decide to do is what? Joyful. If you're not a joyful person, you will not get But Look, how many believe there's a devil out there? How many believe there's an enemy out there? What is your strength? Joy. Listen to what this says. The gates, how many want, how many want prosperity opened up over you? Why did God send the Holy Spirit? Why is he going to refill you next Sunday? It's a refilling day of the Holy Spirit. Why is he going to do that? Because Jesus said, I got to go. Lord, why do you have to go? I'm going to send another. I'm with you, but he'll be in you. And he will lead you and guide you and teach you. The Holy Spirit's not so we can fall down. The Holy Spirit, so we can go, hmm, how, do, how am I going to pastor this church? Where am I going to put my building? What business deal should I do? Who should I go into partnership with? Who should I marry? Who should I do that? that that's, the, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. The gates of ancient Jewish wisdom says, the gates of wisdom and divine inspiration were opened only as a reward for serving God with tremendous and boundless joy. The gates of how to do that, wisdom and divine inspiration are a reward for your joy. Say, I may not have a college degree. I do, but I may not have a college degree. Do you have joy? If you have joy... You then have divine wisdom and inspiration. Smile a while and give your face a rest. What's the second thing in preparing for a hundredfold? Kindness. The acts of unlimited kindness. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples in that you have what? Love one for another. And what did he say? He said, they will, listen to me, how many, how many want, how many want more money next year than you have this year? They will see your good works. They will see your action. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep, where you're going to live. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteous. What's righteous? Acts of kindness. That's what the word righteous means. It means don't worry about what you're going to live. But look for the chance of being a nice guy. Look for a chance of bringing acts of kindness to somebody. Like we said last week, Tiz said, wherever you go, preach the gospel. And if you absolutely have to, open your mouth. 
Can I, can I, I say this jokingly, but can I say this? God is tired of people who quote scripture, but act mean. Uh, amen. All right. So number one, be happy. Number two, be nice. Look for ways to do, um, look for ways to show that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace lives in your heart. Let me read you. Let me read you just one thing, uh, with ancient Jewish wisdom, a person who is cruel or does not act kind we should wonder if they really are part of God's family. But I can quote scripture. So could my parrot in Australia. Let, let me read it again. Ancient Jewish wisdom. A person who is cruel or does not act kind, you should wonder if they are really part of God's family. Then he's, let, let, let's throw the preachers in there. If all one does is study the word of God but does not act kind, it is though he has no God. So it really, <laughs> it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter if I can quote scripture. It really doesn't matter if I, if I say, thus saith the Lord. What really matters is if I'm a nice guy and I show people acts of kindness. Christians ought to be the nicest people on the block, not the meanest people on the block. Preachers ought to be the happiest people, not the grumpiest people. You know, and we'll, we'll review this in a few weeks, but let me just throw this in. God comes to Israel. He sets them free. He says, I'm going to bless you in your coming. I'm going to bless you in your going. I'm going to bless you in your field. I'm going to bless you this. I'm going to bless you that. I'm going to run you down with my blessing. And then right after that, he says, but because you did not serve me with joy, it opened the gates to the enemy till they came in and destroyed it. Wouldn't it be a bummer if you gave, man, I gave up this, I gave up that, I gave up that. And when the Lord, when we stand before the Lord, we go, Lord, how come I was never blessed? And the Lord said, you're grumpy. You look like you were baptized in lemon juice instead of the Holy Ghost. Think how wonderful it is that when you go to work, everybody goes, we can't wait till Bob gets here. We can't wait till Sue gets here. Why? They're the happiest people and wherever they are, it just seems like the favor of God falls. That's exactly what we're looking for. Now, let me say this as we get into unforgiveness and bitterness. Here's what the Bible teaches. You're the light of the world. You're not a shadow. You're not a, you're not nighttime. You're not darkness. You are the light of the world. People have the ability to, to bring joy to a room. Some of them bring joy when they enter in. Some of them bring joy when they leave. <laughs> now, in seven days, God's going to open the window of heaven. Let me ask you, are you the kind of person that brings joy to a room when you walk in? Are you the kind of person that brings joy to the, to the room when you leave? If you're the, no, no seriously, I'm, you know, I'm trying to make it light and everything, but this is really serious. What kind of person are you? Don't be religious. Be a child of God. Amen.
All right, look with me in Galatians chapter 6. Do you have your Bibles? Verse, verse, um, oh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Look what the scripture says. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, let let me stop right there. When we were teaching last week, uh, or two weeks ago, the number one rule of all the Bible is love God and love your neighbor, right? In ancient Jewish wisdom, the number one rule, everybody do this, everybody go like this. The number one rule is don't be deceived, you will reap what you sow. You will. Absolutely, you will. So if you sow joy and kindness and happiness and peace and blessing, that's what you're going to reap back. It's going to multiply and come back to you. So look at what, look, look at what uh, Paul says here. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Oh, you know, and, and here's, the, here's the church. This is the, this is the church, and I thank God for who I got saved with, but this was the church I got saved with. But the works of the flesh are idolatry. Oh, God. Kill those idolaters. Fornication, get them, Lord. Witchcraft, judge them, Lord. Gossiping. <laughs> Jealousy, no habla inglés. <laughs> Bitterness. Well, we want the, we want the, we want, oh, God, judge them. Get those fornicators, get those idolaters. Get the get those witchcraft people. But right in there, he's talking about gossipers. How about on Sunday morning racism? Divisions. How about how about I love you, Lord, but I can't stand her. Did you see what she's wearing today? See, that's being full of religion. Can I be honest? See, I want you to get blessed. I really want you to get blessed. This is real. We know we, know we ought not fornicate. That means not sleeping with someone you're not married to. Or anything else like that right? We know, you know, what would you, what would you do? What would the normal church do if somebody came and sat in the front row and lit up a doobie? You know, it makes, it's sad that almost my whole church knows what a doobie is. (laughs) You know, somebody comes sit in the front, front row and Light, light up a joint and oh man the ushers and the and the uh, the, the holy you know and, and I'm, I'm not okay and we do that but what if somebody sat in the front row and gossiped see god says this this is the same judgment 
Oh, come on, say amen. We're on, we're on live television. Now look what it says in verse 22. Uh, look verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries are the like of which I told you before, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at me. This is so important that you get this. We're saved by grace, not by works, right? So we're not talking about the kingdom of God there. If you've received Jesus Christ, you're going there. We're talking about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. You know, I can't wait to get to the streets of gold. I can't wait to, 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 to walk into my mansion. Jesus said, I go to prepare a mansion for you. If it weren't so, I wouldn't. I can't wait to go there. But I don't want to wait to go there for you and I to be the lender and not the borrower, to be the head and not the tail. So here's a, if, if I, if I gossip or I backbite or I'm jealous or I'm envious, of course I'm, of course I'm not right with God if I'm worshiping idols. Of course I'm not right with God if I'm, if I'm fornicating. Of course I'm not right with God if I'm practicing witchcraft. And by the way, witchcraft is not just voodoo. Witchcraft is you manipulate people through your mood. Good night, everybody. You know, we're talking about outbursts of anger. And you know, so many times, so many times in marriage counseling, it's the man who gets in. And most of the time, I'll tell you that most of the time it is the man, except in my house. But most of the time it is the man. And you know, we, the man has the outbursts of anger. But what about the woman who's involved with witchcraft? Honey, what's wrong? Nothing. The man manipulates through anger. The woman manipulates through mood. Oh, I got no, I got not. The women wouldn't, would not say amen. The men were afraid to say amen. <laughs> this is why we have another week. If you're a jealous person, don't stop it. Why would you, why be jealous? What have I taught you in ancient Jewish wisdom? If you see a blessing in somebody else's life, what does that mean? That means God has allowed you to hear it or see it, so you're next. You know, I heard the, I heard the other day that some pastor in town here, Oklahoma, some, somebody came in and paid for their whole building. I didn't go, oh, Sure, I bet he's not even serving God. I got excited. Why did I get to hear that? Because I'm getting ready to build a building. We're getting ready to build it. That means we're next. Really? Amen? But look what it says here. Look what it says here. It says, uh, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no, and if you read it in the original, there is no curse of the law. There's no curse on you. Next week, 
God is going to open the window of heaven. This is an appointed time. God is going to open up a window of heaven. And he doesn't want to pour you out tenfold or twentyfold or thirtyfold or fiftyfold or eightyfold. God wants you and I to be those Gentiles that are so emulating the joy of the Lord, the kindness of God, the long-suffering of God, the peace of God, that we have to prepare ourselves to be that hundredfold soil. That's why we've got, that's why we've got the 50 days. Let me ask you something, and, and, and I've got to share this. I'm getting ready to close, but I've got to share this. We talked about joy. We talked about um, kindness. We talked about forgiveness. Forgive those who trespass against me. Be, now be honest with me. How many, and we said this last week, but I want you to get this. How many of you have sinned at least a little bit? And knowing that lying is a sin also, how many of you have sinned at least once since you received Jesus as your Savior? Lift up your hand. The only way you would not have sinned since you known Jesus is you said, I received Jesus. That's the only way it would have happened. I'm not talking about big sin. I'm talking about somebody cuts you off and... You question their heritage. I'm talking about you lied a little bit here. I'm not, you know, you got, you, you mistreated your, I'm talking about, you know, somewhere. And what does God say? They came to Jesus. They said, Lord, teach, teach us, teach us how to pray. Man, when you pray, windows of heaven open up. When you pray, uh, uh, blind people see. When you pray, water comes out of a rock. When you pray, gold coins come out of a fish's mouth. Man, I want to pray that kind of prayer. Right? And so Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he goes through all this. He said, forgive us our trespasses on the condition that we forgive those who have trespassed against us. On the condition. And then he ends the prayer. But then he goes back, not to praying to our Father, not to praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not to praying give us this day or day. He comes back and two more times he emphasizes forgiveness. In Hebrew, whenever something is mentioned next to each other more than once, what does it mean? God has a secret he wants to give you. What if somebody hurt you? What if somebody ripped you off? What if somebody, and and you know what? If you're in this world, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if you're a businessman, a businesswoman, a mom, a dad, a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist. It's going to happen. That's life. But here's the danger. Is you let that turn from a hurt into bitterness. Think about the root Not the leaf, not the branch, the root. The root of bitterness. You know, if you're going to get a harvest, you got to kill the weeds at the root. And I, and I was, I just thought, wrote wrote down what bitterness is. It's, bitterness is not even being mad, bitter. Bitter. Bitterness is not, okay, I got mad, you know, and we're going to deal with anger. There is a, there, there is a reality as a Christian, you can be angry. 
But the Bible says be angry and sin not. Why? Because anger can turn into bitter. If you know, we're going to feel anger for a moment. If you're, if you're a human being, you're going to feel anger for a moment. But we need to just remember we battle not with flesh and blood, but we battle with principalities and powers of darkness. And, and we, need to, we need to focus our anger against the devil and against uh, uh, the, s- the sins that are killing the people of God and, and, and realize that if we don't do it, it's going to be bitter. Well, let, me, let me read this real quick. The word bitterness. Bitter defeat. <laughs> not just defeat. It was bitter defeat. Bitter failure. Bitter lies bitter person, bitter words, bitter remarks, uh, bitter enemies fought to the bitter end. And I actually looked up the word bitter in the original language and it means sharp pointed, um, uh, shrill noise and a pervasive smell. In other words, when we get bitter, we stink. Turn to your neighbor and go, no, no, don't do that. (laughs) But see, this will block your blessing. But they really did it. So what? Let it go. And when you let it go, God lets you go. Bitterness makes a person antisocial. Bitterness um, uh, uh, separates a person from, these are all scriptures, from their family. Bitterness causes people to reject God, reject Bible teaching, reject wisdom, shows lack of grace towards others, doesn't, un- won't understand the plan of God. Bitterness accompanies the sin unto death. There's a motivator right there. Bitterness motivates gossip. Bitterness motivates complaining. Bitterness fragments other people's lives. Bitterness induces misery and produces a chain of suffering upon the person itself. Uh, you know, you look at this and everything and say, yeah, it feels good to be bitter for a moment, but it may cause bleeding of the eyes, bleeding of the nose, bleeding of the ears. So, you know, in reality, I'd rather itch a little bit than kill myself. Let's not be bitter people. Can I have an amen? amen. Now we can play. Look at this. Hebrews says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes you trouble. See, that's the ultimate one-two punch the devil does. Somebody punches you, you get bitterness and the devil gives you an uppercut. But you know what? You're not going down. You are more than a conqueror. You're not going to get better. You're going to get better. God is going to raise you up out of the valley to the mountaintop. Let me close with this. Isaiah 38 says, Behold, bitterness had trapped me, but deliverance came unto me. You have delivered my soul out of the pit of destruction, for you've cast my sins behind my back. Just think that. Bitterness, bitterness put us in a pit. But he says, God, you delivered my soul from destruction. I'm going to tell you something. You're not a loser. You're not a failure. You're not somebody that God's forgotten. So what? Somebody says something about you. So what? Somebody did something. You know what? What Satan meant for evil, God will use it for good. All things work together for good. Can I have an amen? Stand with me all over the building. And I want you to listen to me. 
And I, I, I'm sure Tiz was going to share something when she came home. If you'll understand these two things, look at me, look at me. If you understand these two things, what we reap, what we sow is what we reap. What goes around, do you understand that? If you understand the other thing is that all things, even when somebody hurts you, all things, if we'll do right, if we'll act right, not like a slave, but a child of God, all things work together for good. Let me tell you a story. Why are we doing this? Why are we learning this? Why is God giving us this wisdom? Is it just so that next week we can have the windows of heaven open? We can drive a nicer car, live in a nicer house, have the wisdom of God. That's part of it. But can I tell you the real reason? We have a world to change. And we're called to do that. Because it's not just about next week or the next 10 years. It's about eternity. And you know what? That really came home to Tiz and I this last week. About, and forgive me how long ago this was, but probably about 20 years ago, Tiz and I were pastoring, pioneering a church about three weeks old in Melbourne, Australia. And we'd come home from church Sunday night and went to bed and I woke up after about an hour of sleep in it with a nightmare. And in that nightmare, I saw somebody literally in a whirlpool. I was just telling the guys upstairs, in a whirlpool, drowning, being sucked under. Literally, I got up and Tiz said, I jumped up like this. Tiz said, what's wrong? I said, something's wrong, somebody somewhere. And uh, I went out and prayed and it went away. Came back down, started to fall asleep. Boom, it happened again. This happened six, seven, eight times that night. Finally, about five o'clock in the morning, I saw this person going down in this whirlpool. This is before God, honest to God, no exaggeration truth. You can ask this. And I saw this person. I was praying. I woke up with this and I started praying. This person was almost gone, almost gone. And all of a sudden they said, Jesus, help me. And God reached. I I told Tiz when I came back to bed, I said, I don't know who it is or what it is. But I saw God. I saw God's arm reach down into into that whirlpool. And I saw that person reach their hand up and God snatched them out. And I said, whoever it is, whoever it is, it's okay. I, I mean, we didn't understand. We had no idea. I told the kids that exact story. I called the young man. We had prayer meeting every morning at six o'clock. I called one of the young men and said, listen, open the church up. I've been up all night praying. I'm not coming in this morning. About an hour later, there was a knock banging on our door. I opened it up. It was this young man and his wife. And they said, Pastor, they've been, people have been calling the church. The American Council is calling. You got to call. You got to call back home. Pastor so-and-so's calling. The American Council called. So I called my pastor. The line was busy. I called the American Consulate. And I said, uh, this is Larry Huck. You've been trying to get a hold of us. And they said, you need to call Montana right away. Montana's where Tiz's family is. And so I told Tiz, I said, we got to call Montana. She said, my dad. And so we called Montana, her dad answered the phone. And what had happened is, is that that morning, uh, a drunk semi-driver crossed the lane, hit Tiz's mom's car head on. Now, right before we went to 
Australia, we prayed and we really felt God told us to go to Montana and witness to her mom and dad. Wonderful people, just the nicest people, just, just, I mean, just the, the, the family and just gracious and kind and, and, and loving. I mean, just the neatest people, but had never met Jesus, were religious, but had never met Jesus. And so we sat up and they really thought because we were so dedicated to the Lord that we must be in some kind of cult or something. And, and so finally at one o'clock, we're talking to them about, you know, what, how to receive Jesus. Her dad went to bed, but her mom sat in there and she said, Larry, let me get this right. And they were raised Catholic. She said, you mean that on my deathbed with no priest there, nobody there on my deathbed, I could call out to the Lord. And if I called out to him, he would answer me and he would forgive me. And I'm talking about these are the nicest, great, most gracious, loving people. We, I, I said, Mom, in a moment of time. We found out that whole time that I kept seeing this whirlpool, Tiz's mom was trapped underneath the truck. The semi was on top of her. Tiz's brother worked for the highway department right on that mountain pass. He was there helping the rescue workers for two hours, not even knowing it was his own mother. And then he saw the bumper sticker. She was the assistant to the senator of Montana. At the funeral, this lady walked up to Tiz. Tiz had known her since a child. During the wreck, a doctor and a nurse came along. And this doctor and the nurse for seven, eight hours was underneath the semi while they're trying to get the semi and the car separated and everything, working on Tiz's mom. And she said, Tiz, I don't know if you'll understand this, but your mother told me to tell you this. While they were all standing there, they realized it was Tiz's mom and uh, they got a hold of Tiz's dad, Tiz's sister, Tiz's brother was there. The nurse and the doctor came out from underneath the semi and said she's gone of course everybody was weeping and crying and 15 20 minutes later they hear a noise they went back underneath the semi and she'd come back to life and she looked no listen she this nurse is telling tis this at the funeral she was horribly horribly injured and she went back under there and she said Gwen, we thought you were gone. And she said, I was, but I came back because I want you to tell Tiz I'm going to be all right. This nurse said, Gwen, you're not, you're hurt really, really bad. She goes, no, no, I know that. You tell Tiz I'm going to be all right. She'll know what I mean. That was the exact minute that I was praying and I saw that person going down. We, 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 we looked at the time clock and that person was going down in that whirlpool and they said, Jesus, save me. And I saw that hand and I told Tiz, you know, that, that night I saw a hand come down, you know, and that was her mom. Well, her family had been involved with church and things and the aunt that just passed away a couple days ago she was in the church and raised up in the church, but ended up marrying a bad guy and they got divorced. 
And because of this battle that this poor lady with her daughters went through, the church excommunicates her. See, the church ought not be a place where people come to get hurt. The church ought to be a place that people come to get healed. And so because of, because of that, they'd kind of, they'd kind of didn't give up on God, but gave up on church. And so three years ago, her aunt, Tiz's mom's sister, got cancer. They said, you've got a week or so to live. And Tiz flew up and went up and prayed for her. And man, one, God did a miracle. And man, they just got right with God. And they just started serving God, going to church and everything. Then about a month ago, it came back. They gave her a week. She had three years. But she'd serving God, led all of her kids to the Lord, led all the family back to the Lord. And a couple days ago, she was in the hospital. She's in a coma. And all of a sudden, she starts talking. And they're all listening, and she's talking to Jesus. And she's saying, Lord, I'm ready. And as she's talking to Jesus, all of a sudden, she goes, Well, there's Gwen, Tiz's mom. And Jack, Tiz's dad. Oh, I so want to come home. Lord, please, I want to be with you. I want to be with Jack. I want to be with Gwen. They called Tiz on the phone and they said, your mom, our aunt's been talking about your mom. Our mom's been talking about your mom. And Tiz said, if she comes out, call me. And they go, she's coming out right now. And so Tiz got on the phone with her just a couple days ago. And she said, Tiz, I saw the Lord. And you know what? Standing there waiting for me with the Lord was your mom and dad. Tiz, I just want to be free of this body. I want to go home. Your mom and dad and Jesus are waiting for me. Why does God want us to be a church that brings joy and peace and happiness? Not just because it's about next week and next year. It's about people who will live forever and ever and ever in the presence of the Lord.